Well, good morning. We're going to read together a few parts from John 11, starting at verse 17, and you can follow along on the screen. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Just down to verse 32. When her sister Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to talk to you today about how you are not stuck in the ruins. Over lockdown, I must confess that Ben and I did very little homeschooling. We did, however, do a lot of Lego. And last summer, our son Jonah got given a new kit, Lego pirate ship, and he spent two weeks building this pirate ship. And it was such an achievement, it had this huge dragon head on the front and these sort of cannons that shot out Lego balls. And he put it on the side, and for a couple of days it just stood there and we all sort of marveled at it. And then after a couple of days, he got a slide from another Lego set and he wanted to attach it to his pirate ship. And as he attached it onto the pirate ship, the pirate ship fell off the table and smashed into ruins. Now, I can't really cope when these kind of situations happen at home, um, but thank goodness Ben jumped into the middle of those ruins and sat with Jonah as he sobbed. Um, it does make me think that what on earth we will do if England lose tonight. <laughs> Some of you today may feel like you are sitting amongst ruins. Something has collapsed. 
Perhaps it's your health or the health of a loved one or you've lost your job or perhaps it's your marriage. You feel like your marriage is broken and everything that you've built around that relationship now sits in ruins. Some of you may feel that you've lost confidence over the last year. I imagine Gareth Southgate felt like this when he missed that penalty and experienced that crushing sense of failure in 1996. Perhaps you failed and you're sitting in the ruins. But I want to tell you today that you are not stuck there. You are not stuck in the ruins. It wasn't over for Gareth Southgate in 1996 and you are not stuck either. The Scottish athlete and later missionary Eric Little wrote this. Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless in the ruins. Jesus came into a situation that didn't look good. Lazarus, his friend, had died. Martha and Mary, his sisters, were grieving, their life seemingly in ruins. What does this passage have to tell us about what God does when our life is in ruins. Well, the first thing is this. You are not alone in the ruins. Jesus walks into the village of Bethany and he meets Martha. She comes to him and, he, and he's, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he says to her, he, he sort of tries to lift her eyes higher than her circumstances. He doesn't engage with her in her emotions. He pushes against them. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, don't think like you're thinking. Look up. I'm here. Things are going to change now. I am is such a significant declaration that Jesus makes. It takes us back to when Moses was at the burning bush. And God says to him, I am who I am. I am as a name for God himself. Jesus is reminding Martha that he is fully God. He isn't a bit God and a bit man. He is fully God and he's sort of, he's not a sort of hybrid of the two. two. He is fully God and God is with her right now in this moment. Jesus walked into the mess and the ruins of that moment and in Bethany and he says to Martha, things are going to change now. Dorothy Sayers, a female writer of detective fiction, wrote a series of novels about a detective called Peter. He was alone and in the middle of the stories, a woman called Harriet Vane appears. Now, Harriet Vane has lots of similarities with the author, Dorothy says. She and Peter fall in love, get married and solve mysteries together. It's all speculation, but some have said that Dorothy says looked into the world she created and the character she had created. She saw his pain and his loneliness and she fell in love with him and she wrote herself right into the story. God looked into the world he had created and he loved us and he wrote himself into your story. And if you find yourself in the ruins this morning, you are not on your own. It may feel like you are there alone, but you are not alone. Jesus is with you in the ruins. But his comfort goes even further. What we see next is that Jesus understands your pain in the ruins. He walks on through the village of Bethany and he comes across Mary. 
And you know, she says exactly the same thing to Jesus as Martha said to him. It's the same place, the same moment, the same death, and this same statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But here comes a totally different reaction from Jesus towards Mary. Here, he shows her his humanity and that he understands and that he experiences our pain. He understands your grief and your loss. He understands that failure. He understands he know, and he knows it all. Rather than push against her emotion, this time he goes with her emotion. She is in tears and he is in tears. He has no words. Jesus wept. Grief is real. Grief is part of life. Many people are grieving the loss of someone or something at the moment. The writer Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie describes grief and loss as a cataclysmic hole suddenly gaping open in your life, a part of you snatched away forever. In just over a week, it will be 25 years since the day that my father died suddenly on the squash court. He was 42 years old and I was 13. I remember the day when my mother, my three sisters and my two brothers stood outside in the garden here at HTB and we planted a tree under which he was buried. And for many years I've been amazed and grateful at the way God has worked in our lives and worked through this situation. But the musician Nick Cave writes this, grief is tidal. In time it can recede and leave us with feelings of peace and advancement, only for it to wash back in with all its crushing hopelessness and sorrow. Last October, Ben and I moved to a flat on site in the grounds of HTB. And for three months in our kitchen, we didn't have any curtains. And the kitchen looks out onto the grounds. And every morning I would walk into the kitchen for, for about three months and I would see this tree larger than life in my eyeline. And I plunged again into a grief that I hadn't felt for many years. It was surprising, it was loud, it was overwhelming, and I felt like I couldn't escape it. And one night I screamed into my pillow and I felt like I crumbled into ruins. I felt like my faith was really rocked. I couldn't feel God with me. I felt, as, the, as C.S. Lewis describes it, like a door had slammed in my face. A really kind friend said to me, Marth, maybe you should talk to someone. And so I had some sessions with a counsellor. And there is so much healing that can be found in someone understanding your pain. I'm so grateful for this counsellor. Her job is to listen, to guide, to empathise, to seek to understand. And in this process of someone sitting with me and seeking to understand me, it dawned on me that this is what Jesus does with Mary in this moment. He seeks to understand her. He empathises with her. And it's exactly what he does for every one of us. The prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus as the one who would come as the wonderful counsellor. And the wonderful counsellor shows up with Mary, being with her in her grief, being with her in the ruins. It is so powerful to be understood. If you feel like 
if your life feels like you are sitting amongst the ruins now, the wonderful counsellor is with you right now. He is sitting with you and he understands you. Even if you can't make sense of it yourself today, he understands, he knows. But even further than just being with us, even more than understanding our pain in the ruins, Jesus offers you a way through the ruins. You are not stuck in the ruins. The passage goes on to say that Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And at first sight, the tomb appears like it's his final destination. Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. And there's this amazing miracle. Jesus is raised to life and grief is turned to awe and wonder and joy. It's a wonderful display of this resurrection power that Jesus says is in him. And many people come to believe. But I find it hard to reconcile that Jesus is so raw with emotion in this passage, knowing that Lazarus is gonna be raised to life. And you have to ask, why is Jesus so deeply moved when he knows what's gonna happen? It's as if Lazarus being raised to life is not the climax of this story. It's like a play within a play. There's a deeper story going on, a further part of this journey that Jesus is gonna walk through. As Jesus approaches the tomb, the word, if you look at the original word for deeply moved, it says he was deeply moved. And it's got this connotation of snorting animals. Some have described it as far as saying he was bellowing with rage. It suggests Jesus is in a deep anguish, verging on sort of anger. And I think this is so interesting because if you look at what he is angry with, he's angry with death. It's what the Apostle Paul calls in 1 Corinthians, the last enemy to be destroyed. Death is the last enemy. All of Jesus's anguish is directed at this last enemy, death itself. This passage about the raising of Lazarus represents this shift in John's gospel from Jesus's everyday ministry to his journey towards the cross. And because of this action of raising Lazarus from the, from the tomb, um, that sets in motion the events that lead to his arrest. It's like he is seeing that the very moment he raises Lazarus to life, he condemns himself to his death for us. You may think that your circumstances mean that God is angry with you. But this passage shows us that God is not angry with you. Your life may be in ruins like Martha and Mary's was, but Jesus wasn't angry. He's not cross with you and he wasn't cross with Mary and Martha. God loves you. Some of you need to know today that he is not cross with you. He has not turned his face away. He loves you. You are forgiven. He has made a way through your ruins and he's gonna bring you through it. You are not stuck in the ruins. Death is not the end. I can stand here today and say that though I grieve, though I still weep for my father 25 years on, it is not the end of the story. His death is not the end of the story. I will see my father again. Your circumstances today are not the end of the story. 
circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless in the ruins. And Eric Little goes on to write this, God's love is still working. He comes in and takes the calamity and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. And that is exactly what he did and that's exactly what he has done for you. Jesus is with you in the ruins. He understands your pain in the ruins and he went to the cross and he rose again and he knows the way through your ruins. It is not over. You are not stuck in the ruins. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) 